Today on the show, I have Dr. Benjamin Hardy. He is the author of the upcoming book, uh, Personality Isn't Permanent, Break Free from Self-Limiting Beliefs and Rewire Your Story. I'm so honored to have you here today to share your knowledge and to learn about rewiring because it's definitely something that I've been studying. I've been studying Marissa Peer. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Uh, she does, she's all about uh, hypnosis for rewiring. And so your book is coming out on June 16th. And would you just like to introduce yourself and share a bit more? Sure. Yeah, grateful to be with you. Um, I have a PhD in organizational psychology. I kind of like writing books that can kind of punch traditional thinking in the face. So my first book was called Willpower Doesn't Work. This book's called Personality Isn't Permanent. And uh, yeah, on the personal side, I, you know, my wife and I live in Florida. We've got five kids. We actually have a sixth on the way. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, a little crazy, you know, yes. but uh, we, uh, we adopted the first three from the foster system yeah, while yeah, I was yeah. doing my PhD. Then a month after we adopted our kids, kind of the cliche thing occurred and my wife got pregnant, but right. twins. And so yeah. just, we just kind of, you know, enjoy life, love Disney. We actually are in Florida because my wife's a big Disney buff. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Hi, yeah. How do you Where do you live? Florida? I live in Seattle. So oh, opposite yeah. side. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. yeah. So I haven't been to Florida, but I hear so many good things. Okay. So I'm really dying to get into your book now. So a couple of things. Um, one thing you mentioned in your book is that our true selves are not to be discovered, they're to be created. So can you say a little bit more about that? Because I was always under the impression of your real self is underneath all of your conditioning. And so that kind of goes counterintuitive to what I've learned. Yeah, I, I think that that actually is also true. <laughs> I think that the true self that people often talk about is to some degree agency of some sort, ability to make choices, think, self-determine. And so I think that that is under a lot of conditioning. But I guess an important kind of thing to explain in the beginning is the difference between identity and personality. Identity often comes through conditioning and, and your identity is your self-concept. It's how you define, it's how you describe yourself. It usually comes through experiences, through your environment. Basically, it's just the story you tell about yourself. And your identity drives your behavior and your behavior over time becomes your personality. So identity is actually way more important than personality. Um, but identity often gets stuck. You know, we define ourselves in various ways, whether I'm an introvert or I'm X, I'm Y. Uh, it doesn't even have to be personality-based. It can just be based on, you know, I'm an American, just as an example. Um, but we have identities, and those identities shape our worldview, and they shape our behavior, and that's the thing that's driving our personality, or at least that's one of the big things that drives our personality. Well, wait, um, let me stop you here. What is identity again? Because I hear this phrase all the time, and it's one of those – words in my opinion that I hear over and over again like identity but I just am numb to it in my ears you know what I mean <laughs> yeah so like I just barely said it's your self-concept it's how you define and describe yourself usually it's shaped by the stories you tell about yourself so yeah. you have an identity you explain yourself first off to yourself but also to others in various ways one of them potentially being that you're a podcaster. I, I might be wrong on that, but like you have, you have a way of explaining yourself to people mm -hmm. and that is your identity. Okay. So and, yeah. And, and then you're quite consistent with that in your behavior and that shapes your personality. 
Okay. So if I were to tell people, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a podcaster, um, that is telling myself, it's giving myself signals, like behave in a way that aligns with, with that identity. It's a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And often our, our identity is past based, but yeah, your, your language and how you describe yourself is a big signal, but it also uh, leads you to seeking to be consistent with what you're saying and the behaviors are the bigger signal back. So when you start podcasting or when you start learning about entrepreneurship, like there's a lot of research on what's called identity narrative Mm -hmm. and about entrepreneurship specifically, or even sports. But usually there's a transition in someone's identity narrative when they become an entrepreneur, where they go through that mental shift where they start saying, I am actually an entrepreneur. That then becomes a shift in identity narrative and how they see themselves, how they act. Um, And so it's a combination of how you explain yourself, but also then your actions. Your actions are the thing, they call it self-signaling, actually, in psychology, but your actions signal back to you the type of person you are. Right, that makes sense. Okay, and then actions are driven by thoughts. Would you agree? I mean, it could go both ways. (laughs) I think that actions often are driven by thoughts, but also thoughts can come from actions. And so I, I think it goes both ways. Okay interesting actions are driven by thoughts so okay that's interesting to just take it in and think about it so you know if I am a person and I'm thinking you know oh my past you know did some things that weren't that great you know looks like the story of my life is going a certain way like well I can't reach like success the way I'm envisioning it because of my past and how I'm letting that Dictate, you know, so let's say if we've never reached a certain, let's just give this example. Let's say if you come from a family that was like uh, not wealthy and then your whole life you feel like, okay, you know, I'm striving for money and, and I don't know, I've never reached this income threshold before. So why would I be able to do it in the future? Maybe my life is preset. What, what do you say to that? Because you say we can create our future identities. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of research on future self. I would point your listeners to the TED Talk by Daniel Gilbert, who's a Harvard psychologist. It's called The Psychology of Your Future Self. Mm-hmm. Um, and I reference an enormous amount of research on this in the book. But yeah, you're, again, your identity is the story you tell about yourself. And it's really good from a psychological standpoint to not only view your former self as a different person, but also your future self as a different person. Um, Often we have kind of mental biases where we think that we're the same person we were in the past because our memory is constantly updating. So we actually view the past from the perspective of the present, um, but we kind of don't really notice that because it's just an ongoing process. Well, wait, let me stop you here. Like, uh, so we view the past, can you say that again? Yeah, we just have biases about the past and the future. One of, uh, one of them being that we view the past from the perspective of our current experiences. Like our memory is constantly updating, but we don't notice that fact because it's just an ongoing process. So we actually view the past as our current selves. And so we don't view former events the way we used to, but we think we do because we always feel like the person we are. So that's true. You know, we just think we're the same person, but we're actually not. And we actually see the world quite differently than we used to. We just don't realize it because our memories are updated through our current lens. That is Uh. so true because my mom just sent me a picture of when I was like 16 or I don't know, 17. And I was like, what does that person, that person doesn't know what I know today. It seems like two different people. So it's That's 100% true. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I think that that's a really healthy perspective, but it's also exactly, it's 
people often don't do this, but they should do it from like a psychological standpoint as far as be the future self the same way. So your future self is actually a totally different person than who you are today. And as a result, the current version of you, your current preferences, perspectives are not the be all end all. Like, although people often are quite definitive in how they explain themselves and also in how they think they view the world, your future self will see things differently. And so you should maybe not be so definitive in how you explain yourself now. But as far as now directly to your question um, about, for example, looking at your past and then thinking that your past must be predictive of your future, that's, I mean, that's an easy mistake to make, but it certainly doesn't have to be the case. Actually, Daniel Gilbert, who is the Harvard psychologist, he said people often don't, they don't predict their future because they spend way more time remembering the past than imagining the future. <laughs> like it's a lot easier to spend time remembering the past and thinking, sure. oh, this is who I am. This is how, this is how life goes rather than saying, this is who I want to be. This is, this is my desired future self. And then obviously using the person you want to be in the future to dictate a lot of things about your current life, such as oh. your decisions today. I mean, it's, it's, I can speak just from uh, literal experience. You know, I came from a very like lower middle-class family and like I make 10 times or more than both of my parents combined. Um, and that has, and it's literally just by applying these exact same principles. Like you have to, you have to actually have a future self in mind and then you have to use that to engage in what we call deliberate practice, which is basically intentional learning, putting yourself yeah. in the right environments, putting yourself around different types of people, um, removing in a way a lot of ways the the influences i guess that you would say that would continually trigger your former identities um just as an example like when i decided to go to college i actually purposefully went to college in a school that wasn't where all my high school friends went <laughs> mm -hmm. because i knew that i would be stuck in a former persona and so yeah i mean there's many things you can do first off it takes making a decision about who your future self is that's why the idea of you can't find yourself is a problem because you don't find your future self. You actually have to imagine and then make a decision about who you want to be. That's a decision you make, not a discovery. Interesting. That's interesting. So a very intentional persona that you're creating. So what's interesting is that you said you went to college far away from where you grew up, your high school friends, because it triggers behaviors in you. Um, that's interesting because, some, you know, in my opinion, I, I've reconnected with some people from my past. I've done a lot of work on myself, like, but I noticed some similar, like, behaviors were coming out and I felt like, oh, suddenly I'm shifting and becoming like a past version of me. Not, not that much, but like, oh, these old familiar ways of talking and things like that came out. So what do you totally. say? Yeah. What do you say in that situation? You just... Well, I think that that's where yeah. open and honest communication comes in. I yeah. mean, I've what had many of it's your parents, this. like, but they are so well-meaning, but you're like, I want to be a better person. Like, you know, I think that that's great. again, where open and honest communication comes in. Yeah. Like, rather than just falling to the role, which, you know, from a, like a, from a psychological standpoint, often it's the situation or the role you're in that predicts your persona. Actually, the word personality comes from the word persona and the word persona means mask which oh, okay. back in the day meant like a mask that you would wear in a theater. Like, you know, Shakespeare said, we are, we all like the, all the world's a stage and every person wears different, like is a different character. You know, we all, we're all many different characters, meaning okay. we all have different roles. Mm -hmm. I, as an example, have the role of a writer. I have the role of being a friend, a father, a husband, child, um, et cetera. And so we all are not just one person. We all are in many different roles. And in those roles, we actually have, different we're not we're not the same person in all those situations right and so i think in 
clarifying who you want to be, you need to accurately communicate that to the people around you so that they can know how to be with you rather than just assuming you're the person you've been in the past. So, I, you know, I actually like the quote from Tim Ferriss. He says that a person's success in life can usually be measured in the uncomfortable conversations they're willing to have. Mm-hmm. It can be difficult to actually, you know, have those conversations that this is not who you are anymore. This isn't who you want to be. And, you know, <laughs> that you don't want to keep acting like this person. I mean, that's, that can be an awkward conversation. Uh, or even just if you're really clear on your future self, just as an example, this is one thing that I had to do probably six months ago. And it wasn't to remove friends from my life, but it was to better clarify who I'm to be so that they can actually have expectations of how I'm going to present myself in the relationship. Um, just as an example, like I had to tell various friends that I needed a little bit more space and I couldn't engage in all of the things that they wanted me to engage in. Like I have a lot of friends who want me to collaborate with them and do things with them. And, and often in the past, I would say, I wouldn't be very clear and honest that I didn't want to be involved. Instead, I would involve myself in certain things half-heartedly because I didn't want to say no to them because I really respect and love these people. And so it took a lot of courage for me to say, dude, I just can't involve myself in your projects. Like I want to stay, <laughs> still stay your friend, but I have five kids. I'm working on these big goals. Like maybe in the future when things change, we can address this, but I, I, have, I have to just say no to you right now. And I can't be that... And that was a hard conversation for me to have with some of these people because of an amount, amazing amount of respect I have for them. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, what what happens if it's easy to do to friends, but what if it's family members? You know, you can only say life is so long, like life is long and, you know, you want to make cherished memories with your mom, your dad. But what if you have these big goals and your mom and dad always want to talk to you? Like, what do you say then? What do you mean by always? <laughs> like, I, I think that you can, you know, I mean, like, yeah. I, I mean, I, um, one thing that's interesting from my perspective, because I'm like now like 14 year, you know, I'm 32. I'm 14 years removed oh, cool. from high school. Yeah. Um, like a lot of these people show back up after uh-huh. time because after a decade, like they realize they're, or they're at least interested. They're curious at like how different, for example, my life is from their life. And not like that my life's better, but it's more just like, whoa, like you're not the same person you were back in high school and your life's really different and they're intrigued for, you know, and so they want to learn more. But when it comes to parents, I mean, I I don't know, I guess if they're trying to like talk to you for like four hours a day, that might be unhealthy, especially if you're like, but I think having relationships with your parents is great. And I think it can be done in a healthy way where they can support where you're going and where you can stay in touch with them, where you can maintain that healthy relationship. And I talk to my parents multiple times a week, but it's, it definitely doesn't get in the way of my goals. <laughs> uh, it supports yeah. what I'm trying to do. And I also try to support their goals. So I, I guess maybe I just don't understand your question. No, I don't know. Just something, something I've been noticing. Um, this may be a little bit off skirt, but when you're working on yourself, obviously, you know, you have to go back to the source of like, oh, what were the influences on you from your parents and things like that. You have to get, I'm sure you know, you know, you have to get upset, like, how could you do this to me? And then you you forgive. But um, one thing I've noticed just in the, the groups I've been in on Facebook, the material I've read on healing, uh, you know, a lot of people don't work on the forgiveness aspect. It's huge, like, super important. Like, but it's your parents, you know, and if, if they, you know, and sometimes you can't reconnect with your parents, but, but I don't think 
I mean, do you have anything to say? I think that there should be, you know, you only have one life with these parents. So you want to treat them well and love them. I think you need to treat them well. Yeah. I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Yeah. In my opinion, kind of like your former self being a different person than you are today, your parents are also a different person than you. And even they're different than who they've been. And I think often we can have a bias towards other people. Like we have a bias towards ourselves. Like they are the same person they used to be. Um, one of my, my example is really obvious because I know my dad's a different person than he used to be because my dad was an extreme drug addict when I was in high school and junior high. Uh, and he's not that human being now. Yeah. But even if people are not that extremely different, they actually are different. But I think what's important to understand is that context and understanding creates a space for empathy. And so it's important, I think, for someone who's trying to grow up and also trying to understand themselves more, understand their past more to actually get more context. I find that often children or even adults don't know that much about their parents. They don't know a lot of, of the context of their parents' childhood or parent, you know, their grandparents' childhood. Like Mm -hmm. we just don't have that much context. And so like one of the things that's been helpful for me is learning a lot about my dad that I didn't know before learning about his childhood, learning about what led to his decisions. You know, my dad was adopted. He was bullied a lot. Um, Just like learned about a lot of stuff that, I didn't know five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you know? Yeah. I think we often don't know that much about our parents. We're not that interested in them as people. Um, they're interested in us and we're interested in maybe what they can do for us, but how interested are we in their backstory and in what's important to them um, and what's shaped them? And I think when you get that context, you can have an amazing amount of empathy and you can definitely forgive them for the best things that they did for you because they did do the best yeah. they could, you know, That's- and they are different. They are different. And my mom, you know, is different as well. Like uh, I'm reading and doing a lot of Marissa Peer's uh, rapid transformational therapy. So it's about, you know, rewiring your brain, as I said, through hypnotherapy. But I watched a a lecture on addiction yesterday. And basically Marissa Peer says the root cause of of every problem is like uh, one of three things. But one of them is you are not enough. And that is linked to, uh, you know, drug drug addiction but on on this flip side my and so you see that perhaps your dad was in pain I don't know the story but you can empathize with that and with my mom who grew up in a verbally and physically abusive environment like you know just doing the best that she could and so I do think this time is about uh, unraveling all of those past uh, hurts and wounds because this is really a different time I mean I just feel like in past, in our parents' generations and generations prior, it was almost like you couldn't talk about what was going on, you know? And so, of course, there's- It was more difficult culturally. And it, other stuff. It was, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. I think, I think that it was far more difficult culturally to open up and talk about it. Vulnerability was a lot more difficult. I think the internet and just more of a global situation opens up for vulnerability, although it can also kind of create a pseudo vulnerability. Um, but I think you're right. I, right. I think that with baby boomers as an example, I've noticed that they tend to hold things in. You know what I mean? And it could just be how they were raised, could have been how their parents were, but they definitely weren't as um, open and honest about their feelings. Yeah. And so I, but a, a lot of them have been, you know, but there's also a lot of emerging science that kind of, I mean, it's not like it's new to human condition, but there's a lot of just science showing that like 
you need to be open about your emotions and things like that as far as to emotionally regulate and like choose or reframe and shape meanings of the past. And obviously there's a lot of new science on memory and how the brain works and like just showing how this, it's kind of like creating intense evidence that you need to, you know, choose better meanings for how you view the past. You need to be open. You need to have close relationships. And so I think that it's just, we're just, we just now have access to a lot of things that the former generation didn't have. Yeah. And so it's awesome for, you know, for our kids and future generations. So just one more question. If somebody wants to recreate themselves, I know we touched on it, but is there a practice? Like, how do I do it? Do I visualize or write it down? I think both. Okay. <laughs> uh, right. Daniel, D Daniel Gilbert said that the reason people don't predict the future is because they don't imagine it. Instead, they spend all their time remembering the past. And so and the brain works two ways by words and images. Mm -hmm. True. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, um, I'm a big fan of imagination. I liked what um, Albert Einstein said, imagination is more important than knowledge. So obviously a big aspect of moving forward is choosing different meanings for the past. Uh, a lot of that has to do with getting more context and understanding. From my perspective, the past should be viewed as this happened for me, not to me. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Even just like last week, honestly, I had a really bad experience. <laughs> um, I was at a, like, a, like a conference of people who are very respect, uh, very, very successful people mm -hmm. who I actually know very well, but also people I wanted to get help from. And I gave a presentation and honestly it flopped just didn't go. I was very nervous and I didn't ask for help very well. And it just turned out terrible. Mm -hmm. And in those situations where you are actually feeling a little down, you can, all of the ideas such as like feelings are not facts become real. <laughs> um, it's easy to theorize about that when everything is going fine, but I was pretty low for about two days. <laughs> like I just came out of it honestly this morning. Oh, wow. But, That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was, but I communicated very openly to this friend who was organizing the event. And ultimately I've chosen to frame the experience as this happened for me. Mm -hmm. um, because it really did. Like if I learn from it, my future's a lot better. If it happened to me, then I'm still stuck in it. And so I think that the past can and should be viewed from a positive lens, no matter what occurred. And that that's a very healthy thing to have with obviously a recognition that certain things happened out of your control and that certain things you would not want to repeat. If you choose to view it from a positive lens that you can learn from it and not repeat it, then the past becomes a really good source of information. Um, so we can and should choose better meanings for our past. But when it comes to designing our future self, yeah, visualizing it, um, like deliberate practices, basically the research of expertise and mm -hmm. how to become like a good Great. learner. Yeah. And you can't actually engage in deliberate practice without a clear future self. And so you need to think about who's the person you want to be. And I would say with journaling and also with speaking about it to good close friends and mentors or whatnot, getting pretty clear on who you want to be. I actually like the two to three year time frame. Although obviously you could think about it 10, 15 years down the road, but I like two to three years because it's very practical. It's pretty good. Yeah. And then yeah, I think writing it down and I write it down regularly. I mean, for me, it's drafting, you know, it's like drafting a book. It just, you just keep refining it as you go. But then the next step would be changing your identity narrative so that you start telling people about the person you want to become. Also, yeah. you know, you recognize though that you're not that person. Now your future self is a different person than who you want to be. They've got attributes, situations, experiences you don't have, but that's the person you're striving to be. Uh, you know, I also like the idea of investing money into your future identity. When you invest in your goals, such as if you want to become sure. an entrepreneur, investing in education, investing in mentorships, investing in relationships, you know, you, investment creates um, commitment. 
And it really sends an insane signal actually to your identity or to your subconscious that like, this is something you're serious about. Um, thinking about experience to have. This is something we recently did with our kids, but That's usually fun. people, when they think about who they are, they think about experiences you've had in the past. It's really powerful to also think, what are the experiences you wanna be shaped by in the future? Um, and laying those out, <laughs> almost like a bucket list, but also kind of like a future identity list. So these are just things you can do yeah, it's really um, fun. I can already feel my juices flowing, you know, motivation. Well, I just want to say like one thing. So I've, I've always been a loner and recently I ha now I have a group of people around me that are very supportive, but it always kind of bugged me when people are like, you need to surround yourself with supportive people. Like, you know, it seemed like for me in particular, I would always be like, where are my supportive people? I try to be like, oh, you seem supportive, you know, woman over here or man over here. But like it was never, it never, the relationship never worked out. So luckily my supportive people found me after I worked on myself. I naturally attracted them. But where do you find supportive people? I think a lot of it has to do with how you act in the relationship. Often yeah. I think we think it's the group when really it's how we interact with the group. That's You know, true. just as an example. <laughs> Like literally last weekend when I had that episode where like I botched this thing. Yeah. Because I was so vulnerable after I had such a big failure, I off I actually literally had the thought like this is not the right group for me. Like it's obvious that I can't help these people and these people can't help me. This was meanings that I was creating in the heat of my emotions. And I then just openly expressed these feelings towards in this case, the leader of that group, um, not being sure what he would say. And, you know, he was really kind and empathetic towards what I was saying. And, you know, we went back and forth over the weekend and I realized I'm seeking support. I'm being open. I'm being honest. I'm sharing my feelings, but I'm not trying to like, throw this guy under the bus and he's not throwing me under the bus. And so um, it allowed me over time to realize how much he was supporting me in the, in the past. I hadn't sought support because I haven't been open about my emotions. I haven't been open about my feelings. And instead, I've isolated myself and then made decisions based on how I was feeling. And often those decisions were to separate myself from people who would have easily supported me if I would have been open about it. And so I think a lot of it has to do with, it's not all about the group. It's about how you interface with the people that you're in and that you could be around a lot of people who would be supportive, but you keep isolating yourself when things get tough. And so you then, you then project that on the outsiders when really it's still your lack of connection, your, la your, your lack of vulnerability, your lack of being honest about what you're feeling and also seeking support and asking for help. Uh, it's very difficult to ask for help. That's something that even I realized last week is I still sometimes don't know how to ask for help from people who I know could help me. I don't know it how is. to specifically ask for the help I need. And I'm afraid to ask for the help that There's I need. There's like a fear around right it. There. Yeah. Yeah. Because totally, yeah. you're opening yourself up. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely feel you on that. So, okay. Uh, I had a question. I had just two questions. So one is you said you don't know if you're projecting yourself on the group and things like that. So I noticed in my personal self when I am, I don't know, I'm projecting and let's say I feel a certain way. Let's say I feel, I don't know, let's, let's just be the whole gamut of emotions. Like certainly before I have felt jealous and sometimes we see other people and we say, oh, they, they're jealous of me. But actually, once I, worked on, like, once I work on the issue and with anything, it, it goes away, the energy is discharged. And I'm like, that person's awesome. Like, you know what I mean? So just about projection, like 
is that your experience as well? It goes away once you work on yourself. You know, how do you know? You know, I think it, it goes hundred percent. Yeah, I mean yeah. that you you want the experience. This is again why it goes from this happened for me, from it happened to me to for me. If it happened to you, there's still a lot of um, unresolved energy or emotion. Um, so you know by, I guess you could say working on yourself or by working on the incident, whatever that is, mm-hmm. by like actually facing it, working on it, integrating it with the other aspects of your life um, and kind of seeing it more broadly, you, you, yeah, it goes away. But also that's true with the relationships as well. Just as an example, by, you know, not just working on myself, but by actually interfacing with this mentor of mine, my energy around it was able to discharge as well because we were able to have conversations and I was able to realize, wow, I'm, definitely acting reactively, you know, and I'm acting out of ego. And by having this conversation, I realized it wasn't that big a deal. And actually I can use this to really further myself rather than make it be something that throws me off. And so, you know, by communicating with other people as well, you can discharge the energy and choose better meanings or better perspectives that can be more helpful towards where you're trying to go. Great. Okay, cool. This was very, uh, this was a hopeful and uplifting conversation. I think, you know, that's all the questions I had, but it just gives everybody hope that there is a way out of the emotions. The emotions are there for a reason. And also your future self is attainable. Am I right? The best person you want to be, it's attainable. I think so. Yeah. I believe so. I mean, uh, you know, your current future self is based on what you're aware of and also your current level of confidence. Um, and so you can definitely build that, you know, by making small progress towards where you want to go, you start to believe that you can get there. And also your, your view of the future can expand. And so you can definitely get there. Uh, I like the quote, there's a quote from Dan Sullivan, who's a friend of mine. Uh, he's an entrepreneurial coach, but he says, the only way to make your present better is by making your future bigger. Um, this is something very similar to what Viktor Frankl said, actually, in Man's Search for Meaning. But a better present is not an easy present. You know, like deliberate practice just as an idea is not easy. It's very hard and difficult. Um, true learning is painful. <laughs> and, um, you know, letting go of former views, realizing that you're, you were wrong, or even just developing skills is not easy. But you kind of have to reframe what happiness is. Like happiness and momentary dopamine pleasure are two different things. Like happiness can be experienced while hoping for and anticipating and seeking goals. Even if that's hard, you can still be very present and very happy in the moment while pursuing very challenging goals. And that's actually what gives your life purpose and meaning from Frankl's perspective and from other people's perspective. And so, yeah, I think you absolutely can become your desired future self, but the more you commit to that, the more you'll have to make decisions based on your future self versus the comfortable decisions of who you've been in the past. Like I very much view, I very much view personality and your comfort zone is the same thing. Um, to go outside of your comfort zone is to do something a little different than how you would typically do it. And that's where there's uncertainty, challenge, failure, learning. And if you can choose from a growth, you know, a growth mindset perspective that when you're outside of your comfort zone and when you're making mistakes, you're getting smarter rather than defining yourself based on your present self, then you can go a very far way. You can, you can go really far and you stop being so stunted by the moment. You stop being so stunted by, you know, whatever your outcome is today. Hmm. Yeah, that's definitely helpful. So, you know, in Lehman's terms, it's enjoy the journey. <laughs> 
Sort of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's enjoy the journey, but it's also enjoy pain, you know, enjoy difficulty, enjoy emotions, uh, even the weird ones and the hard ones. Like, it's just like, you know, we call it psychological flexibility, but it's, it's like, today is a great day, even if it was horrible. Like last week, I now actually already have positive memories of it, you know, but it was a horrible weekend. I had a tough weekend and I was up and down in my emotions, but now, now on this side of it, I'm like, I have only positive uh, memories of it. Uh, even though it was really hard, I learned a lot. And so I think it's, it's, it's the non-avoidance of difficulty. It's choosing sometimes difficulty and pain in order to actually get to that next place. Yeah. And those feelings are uncomfortable, you know, if you didn't perform up to the level you wanted to. I think it's more of the embarrassment. Do you, for me, I personally, when I don't perform the way I want I to, it's feeling, yeah, it's this feeling and part of it is like embarrassment and I just want to shun from it. But uh, yeah, I think that's something maybe to embrace more because it's growth. We run and from also people, people outside of you may not feel the same way you do. You know, like the people who are listening to my presentation as an example, they may have thought, that wasn't that good. I think Ben Hardy could have done a little bit better, uh -huh. but I'm my own embarrassment is not necessarily, sometimes it may be true, but they probably don't have that extreme of an emotion towards what happened. Right. Right. I know. They probably were like, ah, you know, it's, you know, it's good. Yeah. It was okay, okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where we're like, you know, an epic fail. No, I know. That's funny. Well, we're so hard on ourselves, but you know, we're only human, so, and we're trying, we're evolving. So thank you so much, Dr. Benjamin Hardy. And we can get your new book, Personality Isn't Permanent, Break Free from Self-Limiting Beliefs and Rewire Your Story on June 16th, available for pre-order on Amazon now, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. And thanks for sharing your wealth of knowledge and uh, some, some stories. Happy to share. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I'm going to stop recording.